Thank you for being here. We are continuing our series on biblical finance. I, I have greatly appreciated the feedback we've received. Because it has shown me people are really thinking through these things. And that's what God's word should always do to us if we're being honest. We need to go back and look at am I really doing things the way God wants me to do them? So we, we started with the correct perspective on money. Which is that money is given to us to advance God's kingdom. We are stewards of it. And then we looked last week at priorities the Bible gives us. For things a Christian needs money for in order to be able to fulfill. Now today we're going to begin looking at the management of money. How do I make sure that practically I am fulfilling those obligations that God has given me? And this is probably going to take us two weeks. Because the management of money is broken up into six categories. And if you would like to write these down in your notes, I invite you to. They are, again, in no particular order. But the six parts are these. Earning. Saving. Investing. Giving, spending, and debt. So we are going to cover all six of those parts, God willing, in this study. And first, first of all, we're going to look at what the Bible says about how to earn money. Okay, so there are three main biblical principles about earning money. So make sure you note these. The first thing that God requires to earn money is diligence. Go to Proverbs chapter 12 and read verse number 11 with me. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 11 says this. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. The book of Proverbs speaks very frequently about the results of diligence or laziness in a person's life. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 19, we're given a very similar statement, but with a slightly different promise for those who are lazy. Proverbs 28.19 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. So what do you want in your life? Do you want to find plenty of prosperity? Or plenty of poverty? We all want to prosper. And God tells us there is no substitution for hard work. 
These are the continually promised results for diligence and laziness. Diligence will ensure your prosperity while laziness will ensure your poverty. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, we read these things. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. The laziness of some people robs them of prosperity. You know, some lazy people excuse themselves and say, you know, for me, it's harder to wake up in the morning than for other people. For me, my body, I just, I have a hard time getting up. This is the same type of thinking as those who say they don't give because they don't have as much as other people do. The reality, the reality is that diligence requires the same thing from everyone. We all have to be disciplined. Discipline means you have the ability to resist the urge to remain in bed or, or the urge to go watch a football match when you know your time would be better spent reading your homework. We all have to make those choices on a daily basis. It is not that, that some people can prosper without having to put effort into something. It is time and again you will find this to be true. Those that prosper choose to sacrifice what other people are doing because they have a goal that's more important to them. That's what it is to be disciplined. There's a verse in Proverbs that tells us the reproofs of discipline are the ways of life. If you want to be successful, you must be self-disciplined. Proverbs 12.24 makes a promise about the results of the diligent versus the results of the lazy person. Especially you youth, lay this, lay this truth to heart. God says, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Ironically, the diligent person's work will become less physically demanding as they prosper. While the lazy person who doesn't like hard work will only ever be able to do hard work because no one trusts them with doing different work than that. It, it, to, to make sure you understand this, say there are six of our secondary students 
six of our boys who are digging together. And the teacher wants to leave one of them in charge to make sure the work moves on properly. The teacher is going to choose the one who is working the best. And he says, I want you to supervise these ones as they dig. So you see, the one who works the hardest will actually have his work eased because he's diligent. While the lazy people will be forced to continue working harder. And this is why Proverbs 21, verse 25 and 26 says this. Proverbs 21, verse 25 and 26. The desire of the sluggard kills him. For his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves. But the righteous gives. And does not hold back. What kills the lazy man? His desire. He wants to be the boss. He wants to be the supervisor so he doesn't have to work so hard. But his desire to be lazy is too strong for him to really work hard so he can become the boss. So his own desires work against him. And he is forever dissatisfied. You know, a lot of people blame others when they don't see the results they want in something. In our culture, people will even accuse others of having bewitched them. Oh, for that one, they got 90. For me, I only got 50. They have, they have, they have stolen my results. The reality is, that person worked a lot harder than you did. And that's the difference in your results. The Bible says you have no one to blame for your lack of prosperity than yourself. Now, when I use the term prosperity, I do not necessarily mean you are a rich person. I know a, a man, he's a friend of mine. He has his own, his own uh, business making Rolex and Chapati in Masaka. He is not what you would describe as a wealthy man. But I would describe him as a prosperous man because he more than meets his needs. He raises pigs. He has another side business. And he finished a, a degree in broadcast journalism while he was doing that work. Now, if, 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 we, com if we compared him to rich people, you wouldn't say he's rich. But you would say he's prospering because he works hard. And that's the key to prosperity that we see in these first passages. You have to work hard. And God makes you a promise. If you're unwilling to work hard, you will get poverty. Okay? Simple to understand, right? The second principle God gives to us in how to earn money is that we need skill. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29, we read this. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. 
There are certain natural gifts. Some people have that others don't. Okay, not everyone can be a, a, a heart surgeon. Okay, not, not everyone is going to be the, the best footballer in the world. But in, in general, we all have the ability to learn things which can give us more opportunities for earning money. For example, I know several farmers who are successful in, in, in North America that never grew up farming. They took it on as an occupation because it interested them. But they had to learn what they were doing as they were doing it. So they sought advice from other farmers. And they made many mistakes along the way. But they always, they always gained more knowledge through the mistakes that they made. And, and today they're all quite successful. And they've been able to expand their, their farms. Education is key in this area. Most, most people who finish high school and university have several opportunities open to them which people who don't have education will not have the opportunity to do. So for us to, to gain skill and knowledge to help us earn, we must seek to expand the knowledge that we have. Otherwise, the, really the only place that you'll find you can always get work is you'll, you'll always be able to dig. But beyond that, you won't have very many opportunities. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Notice what God says the gaining of wisdom does for you. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver. And her profit better than gold. How is the knowledge to earn gold better than the possession of gold? Because eventually you have to spend your money, right? So whatever you have, if you don't know how to make more, once it's gone, it's gone, right? But the understanding of how to gain means you will always be able to get more of that, right? Verse 15 tells us she is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life, long life is in her right hand. In, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who laid hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Prosperity comes from the, from the application of God's wisdom. God's word teaches us so many things 
that if you apply them will help you to be successful. I know a, a young man that has great skill and, and great, great education. But he has had a bad experience and reputation in every place he has worked. And do you know why? Majorly, he has a bad temper. And he doesn't get along with his co-worker. You know, the Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, that's a key principle in how to have peace in your relationships. And if you go through scripture, you know scripture very well. You will find that so much of the behavior that is required to be successful is given to us in God's word. The third principle in biblical earning is the principle of righteousness. This is the great spiritual element involved in your prosperity. Proverbs 13, verse 21, tells us this. Disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. Proverbs 13, 25 says, The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want. Then in Proverbs chapter 20, Verse number 17, Proverbs 20, verse 17 says, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man. But afterward, his mouth will be full of gravel. And then verse 21 of Proverbs chapter 20 says, An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. What do you notice in each one of those passages? Are people dishonest in how they seek to get money at times? Certainly. And are people sometimes successful in obtaining money through dishonesty and being unholy? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, a, there's an expression that the oldest business in the world is the business of prostitution. And secondly, after that comes the business of bars. Do you know some successful people that sell alcohol? But you know, the Bible tells us something that God allows the wicked to gather up treasure only for him to give it to the one he's pleased with. If you are walking in disobedience to God's commands, though you might have skill to earn, though through your hustling, as it's often called in Kampala, you are able to get money, you will find that your money keeps on evaporating. Because God is not with you. He doesn't bless the income of the sinner. 
That last passage we read about an inheritance that is gained hastily is illustrated by the story of the prodigal son. You know, an inheritance really is only supposed to come at the end of your father's life. When you have worked for your father and you've proven yourself trustworthy. But what did that son demand? Dad, I'm not patient enough to wait for you to die. So give me what you're going to give me right now. And what ended up happening to that young man? He lost his inheritance, right? He was blown away by his unrighteous behavior. So those are the three principles that God gives to us on how to earn money. Now let's look at what does the Bible say about saving in managing our, our money. In our last lesson, we, we looked at two passages which show Christians need to save because God wants us to prepare for things that will come in the future that he wants us to be ready for. Like being ready to give to those who have a need. How does the Bible tell us a Christian should save? And there's no other way around this one. Proverbs 13 11 says, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Saving takes discipline. There, there is no other way to save than this one. You have to make a plan and be disciplined in that plan. You store small things up over a long period of time and in the end God says you'll have something big. And this is where so many people struggle because we want the big thing right now. And when we sit down and we plan and we say, okay, if I save 50,000 each month in order to save up 3 million, it's going to take me years to save that I can't do that. Let me go to the bank and take a loan. Saving takes discipline. It takes a commitment that I'm going to do this even when it's painful for me to do it. Notice there, there is a great value lesson taught to us by this principle. I have observed many times that sponsored students often despise the value of things that are given to them. Someone going to university might list new shoes, clothes, jewelry, and makeup as part of as as part of their school requirements 
Now I know schools can be tough with their requirements. But I don't know of any school that demands a student has to wear makeup to class or must be able to change their hairstyle every so often. But you see, when something is just given to us, without us earning it, we don't value it because it hasn't cost us anything. The reverse is true when we have saved for several years to buy something. You, you might set aside 10 million in five years' time to, to buy land. And to do this, maybe you had to work your job while you also raised animals and you also were digging in your own garden to save your family money on food. And you struggled. And at the end of that time, you have that 10 million. But even though you've achieved your goal, you've saved your money to buy that land. Is it easy to make that transaction and to buy that land? Is it easy for you? When it comes time to actually give the money for the land, is it easy to hand that money over? No, it's, it's, it's not easy. And you might even decide, ah, I, I don't want that land anymore because I've worked so hard to save this money. You see, the money has value to you because you know what it costs to earn it. Whereas if a person was just given that land, they can even immediately say, oh, and by the way, I want another 20 million so I can construct a house. See, when we get things for nothing, we despise them. So God says, if you want to, if you want to have something big, you gather something small, little bit at a time, and in the end, you'll have something big. Saving teaches us to be disciplined financially. Consider David's example of storing up things for Solomon to use to build the temple. David amassed a treasure over the course of his life. And he dedicated it all to God. So that it would be used in the construction of God's house. David says this. Uh, this, this comes from the book of First Chronicles. I, fa I failed to write the chapter in my notes. It's near the, let, me, let me look for it. It's in the end of... First Chronicles. It's chapter 29. You can read. It says, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon my son, whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great. For the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So I have provided for the house of my God. So far as I was able, Gold for the things of gold. Silver for the things of silver. Bronze for the things of bronze. 
iron, wood, and great quantities of stones, and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that I have given for God's house, I have a treasure of my own gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. And he goes on to mention just how much money he had saved for God. There are two words you will see used often in such examples. Either, either the word consecrated or dedicated. These words describe setting something aside for a specific purpose. That's the discipline you must have with saving. Some people spend money as soon as they get money. Have I just described you? As soon as money is there. Oh, now I have money, so let me buy something with this money. If that is how you are, you will never have money and you will often be in need of money. Just because you have money doesn't mean you must spend that money. You, you ought to use the priorities you have been given through scripture to plan. One of the things that is required in all these areas is that we have to plan. God does not condemn planning. He, he condemns planning without consulting him. But our God is the ultimate planner. He is the beginning and the end, right? When, did, when, does, when does the Bible say that Jesus was slain in God's mind? Before the foundations of the world. So the example of God, God... God doesn't do anything just by accident. He has planned and he gives us these principles so that we can plan wisely. And that look, leads us to the next principle we'll look at. And we'll see if we have time to get to, to one after this. The third principle on managing our money is how to invest our money. To manage. How to, uh, yeah, principle in managing is how to invest. The Bible warns us that a wise person prepares for the future by investing his resources. Consider these instructions in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2 of Ecclesiastes 11 says this. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Verse 1 is often understood as an instruction on giving. In, in line with what Jesus says about giving, it will be given to you. But it seems better to me to understand it in the, in the context of verse 2 as an instruction to invest what you have to, to earn more in the future, to prepare for your future. 
So verse 2 instructs on wise investment. And it's a concept that modern financial investors would refer to as diversifying your assets. Essentially, if you invest all you have in one thing, you will be totally lost if that investment goes bad. So the Bible warns us it's better to invest in multiple things because the future is uncertain. And you don't know what's going to be profitable or not. Markets are constantly changing. I remember when I was a boy and CDs came out. And everyone thought CDs were going to be the new technology that was going to last for a long time. And just in about 10, 10 years time really, CDs were replaced by, by flash drives and audio audio files on MP3s. I know of an organization that invested a great deal in coffee. They spent a lot more money than they initially planned for the plants to mature. And when they they invested in the coffee, the coffee price in the world was at a certain level. But you know, by the time they were able to get their first harvest, it just so happened that the world produced far more coffee than it usually does. And that created created what is called a surplus in the market. There's more supply than there is demand. You you guys in economics class, if, if the supply is greater than the demand, what happens to the price? Price falls. Good. Good, I'm glad you're paying attention in economics class. So, when this organization harvested, the price of the value of coffee had reduced by more than 50%. So they didn't even make a profit. In their harvest. The book of Proverbs gives us similar instruction on diversifying our assets. Go to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27 from verse 23 tells us know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds for riches do not last forever and does a crown endure to all generations When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food. For the food of your household, 
and the maintenance of your girls. What is, what is this passage warning us about? You might have a job which you are making a lot of money in at a certain time. Does that guarantee that that work will always be there? No, things, things change. There's times where companies close. During the COVID pandemic, many companies closed, which you would have thought would have continued on and on. No, I, think, I think the safest profession to go into if you want to be sure you will always have work is the medical profession. Because <laughs> people will always be sick, right? People will always need nurses and doctors. But even if you're even if, if your family's in a position of leadership, God mentions, are you sure that the crown will always stay with your family? So God tells us to invest in other things so that in case something fails, you have these other things that are also supporting you. So we're going we're gonna to conclude there for today because of time. We'll, we'll look at the next three areas next Sunday. But as we conclude, we have looked at very many passages of scripture in how to do these things. But you will fail in your application of them if you forget the first things that we have learned. Remember what's our foundation. Why should I earn money? Remember, how, how do most people, why do most people want to earn money? To spend it on who? Spend it on themselves. Right? But what does the Bible tell us? What's our perspective on money? Money is not just for me. It's supposed to be used for God's purpose. What are God's purposes? What did we learn last week? Who can, who can remind us of some of the priorities? Right. I'll throw some sweets if you can give me the, the correct answers. answers what are some priorities we looked at? To be obedient to the word of God. Okay, providing for our family. I was saying Morris is trying to give one of those answers, you know, a student, where he gives a, where he gives a general answer which the teacher struggles to say this is I should, I, should, I should mark this wrong, but he's not technically wrong. There's some clever, clever test takers Where you answer in such a way where the teacher isn't sure whether you're saying the right thing or the wrong thing. For God's kingdom, proclaiming God's kingdom. Very good. Supporting the needy. Very good. We are commanded to remember the poor. Constructing up churches. Okay, that's that's part of. I'll give you partial credit because that was that was in Elijah's study. What else? We haven't done all of them. So we've said proclaiming the kingdom, providing for our families, remembering the poor, mm -hmm. 
Helping our parents. Helping our parents. Good answer, Johnny. Answer no. Very good. Yes, for, for God's things. Very good. Prioritizing God's things rather than our things. There's also saving for those who are in need. M Musumba gets a suite. He is reminding us that we Very good. Okay, so in, in applying these things, don't forget... <laughs> some, some are upset they've missed the sweet, but you, you failed to answer in time. So. Next time, raise your hand faster. So don't forget. Don't go away from here saying, now I know how God says I can get rich. I'm going to go get rich. I'm going, I'm going to work hard. I'm not going to sin so God won't be mad at me. You know, I'm going to do all these things. So then I can buy my bicycle. I can get my smartphone. No. That's... You are forgetting what we learned in our foundation. Okay. God will give you success when you keep the right perspective. When God sees that you do earn to be faithful to fulfill what he's told you to do. But you'll, you'll find if you fail that you can, apply, you can apply God's principle of diversifying and say, okay, I'm going to raise, I'm going to raise my pigs as I raise my chickens, plant my maize while I also have beans, cassava, different things, coffee, so I have some cash, and you will find your pigs get the flu and die. The flu? You find your pigs get the flu and die. Swine uh, flu. Swine flu. Your chickens don't produce. Your maize doesn't receive rain. And it because God is not with you. Okay? So this is what the Bible tells us about having prosperity and success. My prosperity should be God's prosperity. I should be, I should be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. But, but remember, remember, if every time God blesses you, the, blessed, the blessing stops in your pocket. You are going to end blessing in your life. And God will only give you what you need to survive. Because he sees you are unfaithful as a steward of what belongs to him. And he will never entrust you with the true riches. What are the true riches? We looked at this. What are the true riches? Yes. Yeah. Riches in heaven that is not going to fade. Very good. So it's it's the souls of people. It's the souls of people. Those are the true riches. God shows you can be faithful with the, the little things. He will not only entrust you with the use of money. He will entrust you with souls to influence. He will give you a position where people look up to you. There's no greater stewardship than that. But you won't receive that. You won't receive that unless you first prove yourself faithful in the little things. Let's pray.